Hi, everybody. Uh, the name of this episode is For Each Other for Ukraine. Hi, Tracy. Hey, Tim. Hi, everybody. I want to welcome everyone to another episode of Why It Matters. And I want to call out in advance that we have tried very hard on Why It Matters to tackle hard topics. And one of the hardest topics that is happening all around us today right now is the Russian invasion of Ukraine. I think there are many moments in this world when we wring our hands and say, what, what can be done? And when it comes to the events, particularly of the past four to six weeks, we as a country in the United States have been asked to understand a new reality and a new set of things around what it means to be in Eastern Europe and in Ukraine in particular. Uh, this really is an episode designed around helping you understand what is there to be do and and or to be done. And honestly, we don't just talk about Ukraine. We talk about the culture of giving a damn in this world and where it will take us as leaders, as business owners, as mentors, and as volunteers. And our guest, Alicia Dvorkina, is tapping into her own lived experience to not only help us be better business people serving impact organizations, how to be stronger mentors to each other, but how to translate that experience and that communal experience into action in times of crisis like we are experiencing with Ukraine. And this is as much an education in the nuance and subtleties of Eastern Europe as it is a gift wrapped in a bow that teaches us all that we have the power within us to help each other succeed. I'm really looking forward to this episode. Thank you. We are, first of all, super grateful to have our guest today, and I will allow her to introduce herself momentarily. And I will also just say to our listeners, this uh, episode in particular has been a month coming. I'm going to call out that we're recording it on Friday, March 25. I generally try not to name dates on these things because it dates the episode, but this is a month and a day since the country of Ukraine was invaded by Russia. And we are going to talk about that a little bit today amongst other topics. But before we get there, I want to say, as always, thanks for listening. And I will turn it over to our guest to introduce herself. Hello, everybody. And thank you so much, Tracy and team, for having me today. My name is Alicia Dvorkina, and I am originally from Belarus. I was born in Russia, but my parents are from Belarus, and that's where I moved uh, short after. And that's where I lived majority of my life, uh, including my childhood. Um, I've moved to United States in 2007, and at that time it was just a summer trip. For me, I did not intend to stay. I really wanted to come in, maybe work in Dunkin' Donuts and make a little bit of money and bring it back home and finish my MBA and at the same time maybe pick up my English a little bit. However, um, I decided to stay a little longer and then a little longer, and after experiencing the freedom 
I just couldn't go back. And uh, this is my country. This is my home now. Uh, of course, Belarus will always have a special place in my heart. And I consider that my native country. And a lot of what I do right now uh, is closely related to that as well. Uh, however, Belarus is where my family is right now, my husband, my kids, my business, and uh, where I meet a lot of wonderful friends and amongst them are yourselves. Yeah. I think it's important to call out, I just met you in the fall of 2021. Uh, we had just recorded another podcast uh, today, actually, and I mentioned, you know, there's a thousand ways to get to Dreamforce. Uh, and Tim and I just happened to be at Dreamforce in 2021, uh, and we're at the same event. And, you know, Tim was like, oh, you really should talk to Alicia because she's founding her own business. She wants to work with nonprofits. She's got a really cool, you know, perspective on stuff. And I, being me, had literally paragraphs to say about all of that, uh, which we don't need to repeat here, but I think- I mean, just to say, like I'm sitting at this table, I talked with you, Alicia, for a few minutes, and I'm like, oh my gosh, this sounds so similar to Megan Hyman and Tracy when they were starting Bright Step Partners. So I was like, Tracy, you should like hop in and listen. And then I I remember looking over and Tracy's like going like this. (laughs) It was 45 minutes later and then looking over again. And I think it was like an hour and a half later. It was so great to watch both of you just talk about thing after thing and make those connect. I I talked with, you know, Tiffany Spencer for 20 minutes and I like Rachel Park came over. Like it was just steady stream of other people at that, at that table. And the whole time you guys were just talking about business. It was really fun. I kept overhearing some of it. um, It was, it was great because first of all, Tim's right. I was flapping around like one of those like blow up noodle (laughs) guys. I was like, and, and, And and secondly, it was super loud, so I was probably screaming. Um, and I'm losing my hearing anyhow, so I was probably screaming. Um, and you know, the other thing that's true is the business of doing business to serve nonprofits is hard. It's hard, and you know, it's like, gosh, if 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 you can pick up anything from the sort of weird path that I've had in this world, you know, like, here's a brain dump, go. Uh, And maybe that's a good place to start. So how is that going? And tell us a little bit about what you're up to uh, as we sort of go into this conversation. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, let me tell you a little bit more how I got to Dreamforce in 2021 and what I was doing I can't there. say how I got there out loud because it was one <laughs> of the non-standard paths. Uh. <laughs> uh, so, in, uh, so before 2010, uh, when I got to US in 27, of course, I started in the hospitality industry and in the food um, industry. So McDonald's, Dunkin' Donuts, pizzerias, and so forth. I didn't speak English. I did graduate in my country with a bachelor degree in international relations, but of course, coming to another country, everything is crossed off and you start from the very beginning. Um, however, after working in hospitality for three years, I knew that's not for me. I knew that I continued to be passionate about technology and about bringing in more impact. 
And so I thought accounting is my thing. So I found a job in accounting and I was so excited. I was like, this is my thing. I'm going to love it. Oh my gosh, accounting. So I get a job and my first day or my first hour, I sit down with a Salesforce admin because I am to use Salesforce to enter all the data in the system. And I swear to you, this was the law from the first sight because when I saw the system, and that was 2010, so classic, imagine like all of that. I think classic maybe just recently came out. Yeah. Uh, you might remember better. Yeah, I mean, right. I remember the yellow checkboxes. Yes. So, like you know. Right. <laughs> We're like, oh my God, a tab. You can so do cool, stuff right? in tabs. Yeah. And so I sit down there and for two hours, uh, the Salesforce admin, Brian, is walking me through what my job is. And now I'm just sitting there and I remember very clearly, this is what I want to do. Like, this is what I want to do. It took me a little while. So, of course, I first had to learn my job and somewhat communicate in English. Uh, and thank to all the people in their office who took a chance on me at that time. And then I slowly started to become a power user. So creating reports, creating dashboards, gathering requirements, passing them to Salesforce admin in regards to automations that we can do. Uh, and then a position, well, at the same time, on the weekends, I'm printing out help and training documentation. As you know, Trailhead did not exist. And I'm just reading it 50 times each paragraph because I have no idea what it says, trying to learn Salesforce. So in 2011, uh, the position opened up under the IT side, and I went to beg my manager to please give me a chance. And I became a Salesforce admin to send me to a class. And since then, I continued to work as a Salesforce administrator. Then I moved in through a few more for-profit companies uh, where I was a solo admin or part of the senior admin team. And then I ended up working for an enterprise, um, Enterprise Community Partners. It's a nationwide nonprofit uh, here in US. And um, with the offices really all over the states uh, and headquarters here in Columbia, Maryland. And they had a very large team at that time, very large Salesforce team was about 15 people uh, local and additional 15 to 20 people offshore. And a lot of operations went Salesforce. It was such an exciting team to be part of. And I have joined them and worked there for six years. Um, and really grew from different roles, going to Scrum Master and Project Manager and Solution Architect and Manager. After that, I tried myself at yet another company. I was a director of a Salesforce department and was hired as a first Salesforce employee, and then I hired the rest of the team. Um, but at that time, I realized that I want to do something differently, and I want to have my own business. I've always wanted to. I just never believed that I could. And finally, the stars aligned, and I met a lot of wonderful people, and my husband has been such a great support to me because he started his business a few years back, and he know how amazing he felt uh, ever since, and he wanted that for me. And yeah, so again, the stars aligned, the kids are a little bit older and I thought, why not? I've saved enough money to survive for a few months and said, let me try this out. And of course I wanted to work with the nonprofit. This is a passion of mine. I do have some other clients right now who are not nonprofit, but I do have some for profit and nonprofit as well. And mix, and I really want to dive in more into the nonprofit world at the same time. 
Um, I, uh, in 2020, so August 2020, um, most of you probably not really were following the news at that time as closely of the Eastern region of the Eastern Europe, but in my native country, Belarus, there was a huge protest after just yet another one stolen election by uh, Lukashenko. Mm -hmm. And people really came out to protest. Uh, that time there was hundreds of thousands of people all over the country. And uh, the protest was brutally put down by riot police. Yep. There was tortures, there was killings. A lot of people are still in jail and political prisoning. And um, that was one of the hardest um, weeks and months of my life, I would say, um, of course, including February and March 2022. And at that time, I didn't know what to do with myself. I didn't know how I can work, how I can live, like, what can I do? I felt so helpless. And I've been talking to some of my friends who have fled Belarus at that time, and they told me about some of the organizations that they've been volunteering for. So I started volunteering for one of those organizations, and I have been doing that since, so for a year and a half now. And now I became a board member of that. So we are called I Need Help BY. So BY stands for Belarus, Belarus. in the abbreviation. I Need Help BY.org. And now we've opened a second direction, I Need Help UA.org. Uh, that is going to Ukraine. And I'll talk a little bit about that, but just so you understand, I'm also involved on the nonprofit leadership as well. And uh, we're not using Salesforce yet. We just got our IEN and we still figure now, especially in the last months, uh, the direction really changes of what we do. So we're still trying to figure it out. Um, however, it always has a special place in my heart. And then uh, coming back to Dreamforce, so being in Salesforce ecosystem for over 10 years now, I'm also a co-lead of the Women in Tech user group in Maryland, Columbia. And it just happened that for this Dreamforce, as you know, it was very small. Um, not everyone was invited, not everyone was allowed to come. But some people very who lucky. weren't invited went anyway. So <laughs> How did that happen? <laughs> Not where where, anybody, where but... did those people come from? I have no idea. Well, you have to tell me some secrets <laughs> later how you do that. But I was among the lucky ones who were the user group leaders who were invited. Yep. And uh, I get to attend that special event. It felt really special because it was such a small, intimate dream force where I felt like I could really connect with people. And I have just started... I haven't even quit my job yet, but I just started seriously thinking and talking and planning my business. Um, and my friend who's been running her own consultancy, Salesforce consultancy for a few years said, hey, I'm going to this event. Do you want to come along? I said, oh, no, no, this is for entrepreneurs. It's not me. I'm not a consultant yet. She's like, no, 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 come along. And you can just like grab another table and hang out there. And then I come in and there's team, <laughs> Tracy, a lot of other amazing people. And they were so welcoming and so friendly and giving me advice and encouraging me. And I'm just so beyond grateful for that experience. I will say that that is like why the women in tech movement still retains its relevancy now and today. And it's rooted in exactly what you said. And that is, no, no, I'm not an entrepreneur. I'm not, you know, I'm not a consultant. I'm not this. You are exactly that. You are a business owner. You are a board member of a nonprofit. 
and you are involved in giving back to your community, that makes you a leader. That, that, that puts you squarely exactly where you needed to be. Uh, it wasn't so you could meet me and Tim. It was because you needed to be there because that's who you are. Oh, thank you. But meeting you too. <laughs> oh, that was fun though. We that devoured a lot of like chicken. I remember that. I remember just like <laughs> plates of chicken and meat coming and I, we were both like. Rah, 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 rah. It was delicious. It, <laughs> it was, was delicious. So yes. <laughs> who, was, who was the friend that invited you, by the way, to, to that event? Bob Nassin. Okay. And so she is the owner of Three Moons Consulting. Okay. Oh, yeah, okay. I, I don't know them. Um, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. A dear friend of mine and a co-lead of the Women in Tech in Columbia. That's, that's great. Yeah, that's great. Um, well, it was really, I, I, I also was invited to Dreamforce as one of the lucky few. And so that was, that was great. I don't, I don't know, like, that's what it was, I, just to like say what happened there. I was still an MVP, which I am not anymore. So now I'm a former MVP, which is really great. And so I did get an invite and, um, and I was like, as your boss, Tracy, you have to go and hang out around Dreamforce and even though you can't go in, we're still gonna just go meet people and hang out. And it was so great to be yeah. on site with people again. And I had forgotten how much, like that just feeds my soul being around yeah. people and traveling. And and um, and it was, I think it was honestly my favorite Dreamforce ever because it was actually really small. Uh, it was, it, it wasn't overwhelming. You weren't like wandering around trying to find some place <laughs> that you could eat or, you know, and, and so it was really, it, it was really fun. And um, yeah, uh, and we were like, of the things that stood out for Tracy and I, meeting you was one of those things where we were like, man, I'm glad we went because we did meet amazing people. And um, and so your, your name kept coming up uh, in, in terms of what came out from that. And then I know you've probably talked with Tracy since then. I know you and I have had conversations since then. So you were just getting ready to launch your business when we first met you. And now you have, and I know that, you know, the there's a lot of other things that have happened, but I think shortly after that you launched, how are things going? Um, what happened next? Yeah, things are going both great and slow and um, unpredictable. So, uh, I guess like with any business, right, I can't expect it to go completely smooth. There was definitely quite a few bumps in the road. And maybe I can share those embarrassing moments so others don't run into them. Uh, that's okay. So I was extremely lucky because the day I left my job, I told somebody that I know who is a consultant. And the same day that person said, oh, well, I have a client who I do sales project for, but they needed something on the service side. I don't have time. Do you want to take it over? I was like, sure. Like, when does this happen that the same day you get offered? So that was Thursday. On Friday, we met. And on Monday, I started the project. So that was freaking amazing. And that was it. That Wait, also you gave met them on Friday and started on Monday? Started well, I knew that person already. I knew that person, the consultant already, but I met the client, right? And I just basically started there. Oh, that is, that, that's the shortest sales cycle. I know, ever. I know. Right. I wish yes. that was going on, but not not quite yet. Like, But that was my one success story. I'll, I'll keep hold, holding on to that. No, that was really great. That gave me some confidence that I know what I'm talking about. Uh, 
coming in from working for over a decade as an employee, I wasn't sure, do I, am I to be a consultant? Do I know what I'm talking about? You know, at the company, you learn to adjust and there's a lot of other things and especially me being on the leadership side for the last three plus years, I continue to doubt my technical experience, um, but it was great. I even get to build a little team to help me out with some deployments and some more technical uh, issues that were going on. So that was super exciting. And those people are the ones that we've been dreaming to have a company together five, six years ago. And now we kind of slowly getting back together and figuring out what the next steps are. Uh, so I'm super blessed to have people like this in my life. Then there was a little bump where, you know, I've been dreaming about having my own business. And then I started thinking about having consultancy. I had my name. I had the logo in mind. I had the concept in mind. And then after running the project, actually, um, the day before New Year, or maybe the 31st, I'm trying to think, I was doing some other research. And I so the name of the company was Zen Salesforce. Um, I'm, um, I love meditating and yoga and uh, therapy and self-growth and all of that. So I thought, you know, bringing peace of mind to my clients and uh, IT projects don't have to be as stressful as many make it to be and working with consultants can be less stressful. However, I learned that I cannot use Salesforce in my name. And uh, I had to quickly try to figure out what am I doing? So I started thinking, what do I do? What do I name a company? I've been thinking about that name for so long. I'm already, I'm married to it. You know, like I, I'm all in. And it did take me a while. It, it was a pretty big step back for me because a lot of other things kind of were tied to the name, to the logo, to the website, right? Even going out on LinkedIn and starting having meetings with people. They'll say, well, where is your company name? And who are you? And show me your website. And I didn't have any of that. And so I started having more and more doubts about that. Eventually, uh, some things are still in progress. Uh, my website is still in progress, but I do have some uh, sales presentations and some information about who I am and who my team is. Um, I chose the name that I love even more. So the name is Hmara Solutions. And Hmara, H-M-A-R-A, -A, it means cloud in Belarusian. So yep. it, I love it. it is so special to me. Yep. Um, and I, I just love it. Now, I continue to work on some logos and websites, but that's okay. Um, yeah, so uh, January was kind of slow and uh, February... But it's okay because I took it to build some processes, right? I've run through two projects by the January time and I had partially working with the team. So I wanted to make sure that I document everything, right? So when we do deployments, what do we do? When we do the discoveries, what do we do? And so I started building that at the same time. And February, I started talking more to different people that I worked with in the past and some of them got me some um, meetings with their CIOs or people responsible for Salesforce. Most of them didn't go that well. Uh, I feel like in the sales side, I'm still um, feeling more like a kindergartner right now, you know, still learning and tumbling a little bit there and trying to figure out uh, where I am, but I'm learning tons. 
And I've been also very grateful to connect with some people who are excellent at sales and they teach me a lot. And I'm taking a lot of webinars and just classes and a lot of podcasts, trying to learn more on that end. Mm, yeah, so February started, things started to pick up a little bit. I have a few small things going on, a few things in the contract negotiation stages right now. Also talking to some larger consultancies companies for potential partnerships. So I would say things that I started to break a little bit after the long winter. <laughs> um, but it's okay because that allowed me to slow down because I honestly, looking back, uh, I haven't slowed down since 2010. <laughs> I haven't worked less than 60 hours a week for over a decade. And that month of January and part February was okay. And honestly, if I had a lot of work going on and my team that I'm responsible for at the end of February when the war started, I don't think I would be able to keep up with my commitments because for two weeks, I lived in a black hole. Yeah. I honestly mm -hmm. don't remember what was going on. The only thing I could, I know I have kids. I have to take care of them, right? So I had to slowly pull myself out, make sure they have breakfast, make sure they're sent to school. Um, make sure that I'm present for them in the evening, the rest of the day, night, I was just gone, completely gone. So um, a lot of therapy, pretty much daily, a lot of other things like uh, art therapy and meditations and running, a lot of writing and things. So I'm starting to pull myself back together. And of course, uh, I'm back into the company front. And as I told you, a few projects are starting to move forward as well as on the nonprofit side uh, for my nonprofit, we are, we launched a new project and we're figuring a lot of things out. Also, some people got burned out and indefinitely they left us um, as previously volunteers. So we have to fill in the blanks and figure out our operations and quickly switch the gears. So um, yeah, kind of have to pull myself together and say, okay, what's next? What, what can I do? Where can I be most helpful? You're, uh, I know Tim's going to have some thoughts on this, but I want to call out two things really quickly. One is your rookie mistake was my rookie mistake. Uh, back when we created Bright Step Partners, uh, the original name was actually Bright Force Partners. Uh, and as it turns out, Salesforce had some feelings about that as right. well. <laughs> uh, so note to all new business owners, don't use the name of the platform that you're trying to service or their trademarks in your business name. And you won't regret it in the short term, nor will you regret it in the long term. Uh, the other thing I want to call out, though, is something that's super important in your journey, because we were just talking about this with another guest. And that is, I have never met, and I still continue to be amazed uh, at when I work explicitly with business partners who work with nonprofits in the United States and globally. I've never met a business, well, that's not true. I have met one or two, but I've never generally met business partners who are like, this is mine, 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 and all mine. The, the degree of mentorship, and now I have seen this play itself through in other worlds. I've seen this play it through in the partners that serve Microsoft. I've seen this play through in the partners that serve other companies 
that I am working with as customers, but also as business colleagues. There is nothing like this in any place in the world, except for the people who care about serving nonprofits. And it is an intensity of feeling, and it is a type of mentorship that I don't think truly exists in any other way, shape, or form, except for the fact that everybody gives a damn about making the world better. And because of that, they want to be better business people. They want better business people serving the communities they care about. And ultimately, they want to foster community-centric best practices. And that is an amazing consistency to see and be reminded of in, in your story. Tim, I know, you, I know you had further thoughts on some of the stuff, but I just wanted to get that out there and say nonprofit business partners in three or five ecosystems serving all different places now that I've run into, all think alike. And that is how do I make it better? How do I make my colleagues better? How do I make my business better? How do I make the impact economy better? And that is so special. Yeah, I, um, I do. Like, first of all, um, Alicia, thank you for being so open um, about about the, both the challenges and the successes of business. Uh, I feel like I stepped into owning a business and felt like it's not okay to, it's only okay to share the wins. And I'm just shocked at how um, well you're just able to say, here's exactly where I am, this is what I've learned, this is what went well, this is what didn't. And I knew about the, the story of the, um, the name change because like a day or two after that happened, you and I, just happened to be meeting there. And I was like, oh, right. Like that, <laughs> that happened right then. Yes. <laughs> right, exactly. And, um, and, and so um, it's great to hear like what happened next on that. Cause uh, I hadn't heard what's next, but um, for me, I, I'm just going to say like, um, I had a lot of mentors and, and one in particular, I want to call it is Megan Morrison, who is still in the space, but not as active. And Megan, I had so many calls with Megan where I was just like, I'm afraid to say things, you know, in public forums because what are people going to think? And she was like, nothing if you don't say anything. So you should start saying stuff. And and it just helped me realize like this is okay to step up and start being that kind of a leader. And then Keith Heller was really um, willing to talk with me about business. Tal Frankfurt was, uh, you know, Brad Struss. Like it's just amazing um, who who we think of as competitors, they're actually just like, no, here's here's how I do that. Here's how to think about that. Um, and, and I just, I, I feel like that, I remember Tracy, when you started Bright Step Partner, um, and yeah. you actually even formed a group around like, hey, we should talk about these issues that I'm running into. It was brilliant. It was great because we were all running into them. And so I, I just, I feel like that's whole circle. And Alicia, I just want to be the first to tell you if you don't already know, you're going to be mentoring others. Like you're part of a chain here that is going to be mentoring others. And it is, I can already tell you are going to be, you're going to be excited about that and do so well at it um, because it is a space where that happens. Um, and it, and it's not just around technology business partners as I've started to work and, and Tracy and I've started to work with others. I'm amazed at, you know, um, like the, the great folks over at We Are For Good, for example, mm -hmm. just great conversations with them, Mallory Erickson, like, this is just pervasive in the impact economy because it's about impact and not about profit. And I just think 
you know, profit ab absolutely is what sustains moving forward. But really what we're here for is to see more good happen in the world. And that is, that's just, um, just so important and, and so great. And, and I, it's really fun um, to see you bounce back from that. And I, I also just want to say personally for me, um, trauma needs its own space, right? And, um, and so, yeah, I, I cannot even imagine what the last month has been like for you. And I am glad that there's been space in business for that. Um, for myself, uh, uh, shortly after I started my business, my mental health got really bad. I've talked about this on another podcast, but I attempted suicide um, while I was a new business owner. And, um, and my team helped like me frame out how I would continue to lead a business while being in a very broken place and figuring out that step forward. And I, I just know what it's like to feel the weight of leadership in a moment where you got nothing in the tank and, and it is, and trauma is just so real and personal um, when, when you go through those experiences. And so I just wanna say, um, thanks for sharing that. We know what we're hearing in, in those uh, spaces where you say, all I knew is I, I had my kids, um, that feels very familiar, and um, I do want to. I, I do want to just hold out hope that um, that 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 your team and and others will walk with you through that, and that it's okay to share that. And the fact that you are is just really amazing, and and shows a level of leadership I wasn't capable of for years um, personally. And so I'm just astonished and really impressed by that. Um, even though it's such a horrific and horrible, you know, moment. Um, you, the way that you're existing in that moment says so much about your character and, and who you are. Well, thank you both for your kind words and for sharing your stories as well. Um, yeah, definitely a few things that I want to circle back on. Uh, first of all, Tracy, give a damn has been a sticker on my computer laptop for <laughs> years. It finally came off. If anyone knows where I can find another sticker like that, please let me know. Uh, this is really what I believe. And I never understood the culture of people coming to work. because like, oh, you know, I just work, whatever. It's like, what are you talking about? Like, we should care. We should do, we're doing this, right? We're here for a reason. Um, and then for both of you, what you mentioned, actually my journey of meeting people who are supportive as partners, as business partners, rather than being competitors started with two of you and Bhavna that I mentioned, and some other people that I met at that night at Dreamforce, where I was like, oh my gosh, all these people are Salesforce consultants. And they sit in there and cheering me up and telling me I can do it and I should do it, even though I'm potentially their competitor in the future. And they tell me, oh my God, let me know how I can help. And if we go against the same person or the same, you know, we, we bid for the same company, if you win, I'll be so happy for you. I was like, is this the world? Is this true? I can't believe it. And seriously, I have met a few, very few, as Tracy, you mentioned, that are not like that, but the majority of people are truly like that. And it has been absolutely unbelievable. And I know that some projects has come to me from other consultants and some things have been passing through me to other people and they are successfully engaging right now. So it is all about how we frame it in our heads, right? And what are we there to do? And yes, absolutely, we have to feed our families and uh, pay for our houses. But at the same time, 
if we together work for missions and to support our clients. And if we keep that as our goal and our mission, I, I truly think that things will just work out. Things will just work out. And you surround yourself with people who are like-minded to that regard, and that would be helpful to move you forward with them at the same time. Um, yeah, and about uh, successes and failures, I always believed in ownership and that ownership doesn't exist just on one hand, right? Like you can't just have ownership on one side and not the other, and then it's actually sometimes harder for me to own my successes. And I used to always tell myself, oh, I'm just lucky. I'm just lucky. I'm just lucky I got here. I'm just lucky, you know, I get to be a director. I'm lucky I get to get to this country. And I'm learning to say, no, it was my choice. It was my choice. And I made that choice. And yes, there's certainly circumstances that has helped me along the way. Um, you know, I never for a minute will take it for granted that I'm still a white person in the United States, right? I'm not an immigrant from, um, like, my neighbors are from Nigeria, right? So our stories are very different. Um, and then I've met some amazing people. And yeah, I was lucky. I've met you guys at the same time, right? Like, it, it didn't mean to happen. I was just sitting next to Tim, and he bought me dinner. <laughs> And we start talking and Tracy turned around. We start talking about your trip to Russia and oh, man. It, yeah. it just happened. Uh, so at the same time, owning our successes and owning our failures is so important. And when I was a manager back at uh, my previous company, I always encouraged my team to share those failures with each other because it was always the same culture too, where in the team meeting, just say what, what went well. Tell about the project that went well. Well, guess what? So many projects don't go well for many reasons. But if we share and we reflect and we do the retrospectives, right? And we own where we didn't do the best that we could have, or maybe just learning from that, then the whole group gets better. And therefore, the whole organization that we support get better support. So yeah, I'm all about it. So thank you both for uh, pointing this out, uh, such an important topic, I believe. And circling back to mentoring, um, I do mentor a few people right now. Uh, I've been super lucky to have some amazing leaders and some amazing mentors in my life. I truly believe I've given back and um, I hope to continue to do the same. And if I can help this one person, <laughs> And just one person learns not to use Salesforce or Force in the name in the future. That's already good. Don't uh, use somebody else's trademark in your business name. Right. That's just a blanket <laughs> I statement. I just can't believe still that I didn't think about it. I was like, how could I not think that this could be a thing? <laughs> I didn't either. We were like, this sounds cool. Let's run with it. I know, right? You know. Um, I mean, yeah. one thing to say on that is that it wasn't luck that printed out, 50, like that printed out all the help text in, you know, uh, a language that you are not native in and went through it, reading it 50 times. Like that is not luck. Just to be really clear, like that's not lucky you for having this thing that you read 50 times so that you understood Salesforce. Like that's not luck. And it's really important to just highlight that because that is hard work. 
And it shows, I mean, I was actually thinking about that and I was like horrified by the thought of reading like help text from Salesforce again. Um, and, and at the same time, I, I can see how smart of a decision that is. Like that is such a great way to, especially in like, you know, early 2010s, what else was there? So I, it's just amazing. Um, Thank and, you. I mean, yeah. I'm still a huge fan of help and training. Um, I know a lot of people love Trailhead. I love Trailhead and I'm thankful for that resource. And I think it's very well done. At the same time, when I'm learning something, I still go to help and training and read the details. Um, you know, um, Trailheads are there to give you an idea of a thing. It doesn't really teach you necessarily how to do things. And sometimes, sorry, Salesforce, but sometimes I get a little frustrated where I read next, 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 safe. I was like, ah, oh, there is like five chat boxes that are so important to know why you checking them or not. And they will break your whole process. Like just at least say read through and understand what the checkbox does. Don't just say next, 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 because I actually had people, consultants who came into my org and have done it. And then it take me, took me hours and hours of unchecking and removing tabs from the apps and doing all that and explaining users and calming them down. So do your trailheads. At the same time, when you see stuff on your screen that is not matching to what they tell you, at least read and try to understand what that means. To like the Salesforce listeners who may still return my phone call or email, I just want to point out, this is not me saying this. This is an actual, you know, business owner saying this. Um you know, and and yeah, I do want to pivot on a, on a couple of things. One is there's some thanks to like, even where I'm at now, you know, like connoting the value of mentorship, no matter where you are, is important. Like to that list of thank yous, I would add folks like Chris Zimney, Dan Lamott, Ryan Ozimek, uh, Aaron McHugh Safe, all of whom like answered and listened to every stupid thing I had to say about like, what's going on with dynamics? Why does teams do this? Why does teams not do this? Why can't it do this other thing? Why are you doing this? What's wrong with you people? Like it was full <laughs> frontal, ew, probably shouldn't use that word. It was full force, Tracy Kronzak, and you all were amazing. So thank you. Um, but I do want to pivot because we talked about, you know, one of the things we did want to talk about was our shared time in Russia. And uh, you are one of the only people who legitimately believe every story that I've ever said about what it was like being. I lived Russia through those stories. So. You lived I through them. Believe you, I know, you know? they true. <laughs> Tim and I, uh, a number of episodes back, did our our personal why it matters, and one of the life changing moments that happened to me when I was over there in 1994 was I literally witnessed a flat out execution style murder, and I could do absolutely nothing about it. Um, and you were like, yeah, of course. And everybody else is like, no, nah, man, you're making that up. And I was like, no, no, no. But let's talk more in depth because this is obviously the, the, the huge issue that's hanging over the world today is what's going on in Ukraine. And I think maybe a good starting point is tell us more about I Need Help uh, both of those organizations. Tell us more about what it is you want to accomplish. Tell it is. Tell us more about what is important for outside listeners to know 
about it because we are very quickly getting caught up in a very old Cold War dynamic in the media and in politics. And there's a lot to unpick here. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for circling back to that. Uh, so first of all, I want to say that um, I know a lot of Americans right now and possibly other listeners are feeling uh, perhaps the survival guilt, right? Like a lot of people who are coming from Ukraine and Russia and Belarus um, and living in other countries as well um, and maybe feeling helpless. So just know that it's okay that you are safe and that you live in a nice house. That's okay because that gives you ability to do something, right? So people who don't have that privilege right now, they there's some things that they can do. You can, you can donate, you can volunteer, you can do other things. You can support your colleagues or your friends from those regions and just tell them that you're thinking of them. You can do things, right? So just use that um, chance and that ability right now. Uh, so going back to the organization. So as I mentioned, we started I Need Help BY in August of 2020 with the idea that that's just going to be a few weeks, tops a few months. Um, we were very optimistic um, bunch. And um, it was just a team of very brilliant people. Uh, all of us lived in, um, in Europe or in United States at that time. And we gathered together with a huge pain and hole in our hearts and we just wanted to help because there was a lot of repressions going on. Uh, people were, again, in political jail, people were getting huge fines, people were beaten and they couldn't um, pay the medical bills and they couldn't support the families anymore. So the project is organized around peer-to-peer -peer help where uh, there is a family in Belarus and they apply uh, through a telegram bot um, and they apply and say, we need help. And with time, we, um, we optimized our process and we have created a process where there's certain documentation that they have to provide. Because of course, as you can imagine, there were some people who were trying to use the system. Um, but now we have a process where we have volunteers who check and we make sure that according to the situation, they are given a certain number of help. And what help is, is groceries. So then we find families who come in from the US or from the Europe, because in general, there were a few people who were helpers in Belarus, but in general, that's not safe. Um, so we try to have helpers also outside, um, even though some of them are still doing that even in Belarus. And we connect them basically. So our Telegram chatbot allows allowed to connect these people safely. And we also check, of course, our helpers. We wanna make sure that that is not somebody who will go to that address. And then these people, I know it's hard to believe, but if you're getting help from anyone or especially from outside of the country, you can go to jail just for that. And many That's people correct. did. Yep. And the money were taken if they got any type of help. So we had to be super careful and protect the privacy of those people who were applying to us. So we have a family. Telegram being a very good platform to do that because of its encryption. So, yeah, so far it's working well. And now they have 
uh, these uh, hidden chats as well that self-destruct in um, 24 hours or even an hour. So it is helpful, definitely. Yes, Viber and WhatsApp and other platforms, unfortunately, don't work. We are looking into developing perhaps our own app, but again, we're struggling with um, developers right now. So we just need to figure out our next steps and our resources and uh, budgeting. Anyway, so there is this Telegram chatbot that helps to connect people and then people, the helper will pay for um, groceries in Belarus store, online store, and that will get delivered to the family's house, families in need house. So this was our process for a very long time. And we have had uh, quite a few helpers and of course the family. So over the last year and a half, I don't remember the last numbers, but it was definitely over $1.2 million uh, worth of the groceries that we have helped with. And so we started to hear more and more because of the policies in Belarus, uh, American cards are not that easy to use. You can't just use the card. You have to email the store, give them your card, get approval. It's, it's like a month's worth of actions in order just to pay for that. Yep. So we started to think of other ways and we have implemented PayPal and Stripe, ways for uh, people in U EU and in US uh, to do just two clicks for payment. And they, you can, when you go to the website, I need helpby.org, which is not translated to English quite yet, uh, but it will be, but there is two buttons on the top right where you can just donate any amount. So you can do $5, $10, whatever you want. And this will go um, to a big pool that we cover whenever we have families in uh, line, in queue, that we don't have helpers for. So we just start paying for those families from that pool. At the same time, you can choose, I want to support family for three people for two weeks. And therefore, you, we know exactly how much it costs, and you just purchase that basket. And once our volunteer pays for that, they send you a receipt and saying, hey, you have purchased um, for that basket. However, if you really want to talk to these people, which how originally our platform was built, then you would have to go through the process of um, the whitelisting your card and going through the process. And then you would connect with them directly through the chat and talk to them. So of course, in, um, on February 24th, um, after two days of complete shock, we've decided, okay, we have to do something super quickly. So within a day, we opened a website and a new direction to Ukraine. Uh, we have people, of course, um, really all over the place. And as you know, there's not one person in Belarus or in Russia that doesn't have friends or relatives in Ukraine and vice versa. All three countries are yeah. really together. Um, my, my mom's uh, roots are in Ukraine, my dad's roots are in Russia. So it, it really doesn't matter. Like we all brothers and that's why it hurts so much. And one of my friends brought this analogy where by no means I wanna say um, that Ukraine is any way younger or lower than Russia. But what my friend said, it feels like your sister has killed her baby, like for Belarusian at least, right? And you don't know what to do. Like that's how yeah. it feels like. And by no means, I mean that Ukraine is a baby here, not at all. They have been on democratic paths for way longer than Belarus or Russia have been. They've elected the president, they've elected um, their government. So they obviously further ahead. Um, but once we learned that we had some volunteers in Russia, I'm sorry, in Ukraine and in Poland, and then also in Slovakia. So what we do, we it's more of a pool. 
So we get a pool of money and then we go to the wholesale places and we buy non-perishables and of course any medical supplies and any first aid kits and things like diapers and baby formulas. Most of the time we get requests from people in Ukraine for what they need the most in certain cities. So we work with Kharkiv and some um, goes to Lviv and then it gets redistributed. Um, but people in Slovakia and in Poland, they buy them in bulk and then they transfer. So every day uh, or whatever the purchases are made, we post our reports the complete receipt with every item on our Instagram, on Facebook, and also on our website. So all the donors can see exactly where money is going. As you know, there are so many sanctions now on Russia and on Belarus and also on cards, right? The payment processing. Um, and then WISE uh, that we've been using has stopped uh, some of the processing as well. So we've been struggling. Some money has been frozen to check that it's not money laundering. So there's a lot of things that we kind of, working through and figuring out and um i know we'll 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 figure it out again we'll we'll get through it but there is also a lot of challenges that uh happen along the way but if you want help uh the ukrainian website has been translated uh into english so it's i need help ua.org and you can donate and then uh, you can see updates on the website or follow us on the social media. The hashtags are the same on I'm sorry, the hashtags that handles at I need help by and I need help UA um, to see updates of what's going on, what's needed um, and so forth. I think um, one amazing, like I don't even have words because you're you're spot on right the the idea of the united states being invaded is is such an alien one to anyone alive today there's no referential frame there there is none i there's a lot of compassion there's a lot of guilt there's a lot of fear there's a lot of shame and there's also a lot of misunderstanding and i think you very well articulated you know the experience that it's okay to have that and here's something to do. So more than anything, thank you. I think, you know, for the listener's benefit, so I want to return to a couple of things that you said. One is, is it, you know, I think it's fair to say that Lukashenko does not represent the Belarus people in the way that Putin does not represent the Russian people. Absolutely. And, yeah, and it's embedded in that idea that we're all brothers. So what you see on the outside looking in is a region where the ties of family and history and culture are, are hundreds, if not thousands of years old, older than the United States has existed. And you see countries that have come up as independent nations, particularly after the end of the Soviet Union. and you know, why I'm saying all of this is because I think it's really important to point out to our listeners that what the everyday person living in Belarus or Russia can do about this is almost nothing. And it is because of the repression that you have described. And the response to what happened in 2020 in Belarus is exactly how Russia is responding to its own populace now in 2022. Um, so I think it's important to know that there are ways to help 
there are places to go, there are people on the ground, and that these two organizations are part of that. Um, I would also love your thoughts on, you know, <laughs> there is no why, right? There is no like great explainer. Um, but what I do know is that Ukraine, some of the ways that it even gets talked about as a country are important for our listeners to understand because one of the flips that I had to learn in Russian language was the difference between na Ukraine and v Ukraine and why you don't use na Ukraine anymore in Russian because that just subjugates the country to just another territory. Um, so there's You're a lot have to that- explain those two words to our listeners oh. and to me. <laughs> I, I don't know if I can. I was going to ask Alicia to do it for okay, me, but sure. like, it's the idea that when Ukraine was part of the Soviet Union, it was never referred to as its own place. Mm -hmm. It was referred to as the Ukraine part of us. And by eliminating the the, you are giving Ukraine a status of a real country in a real place. And that's the difference essentially in Russia between na Ukraina and v Ukraina. You're eliminating the the in front of Ukraine by saying v Ukraina. And people don't when they talk about it in the news in Russia. They don't. I've listened to this, right? Mm -hmm. So what you're seeing I here is Vladimir Putin's manifest destiny is where I'm driving to, you know? And I wonder if there's anything else that you can share with our listeners around the importance of understanding these things and why it is going to be important as this conflict drags itself out. Yeah, there's a few great points that you had and I want to outline is that people in Belarus, Lukashenko does not represent people in Belarus as Putin does not represent majority of people in Russia, right? Um, but so all of you American listeners try to comprehend uh, in Russia right now, people who have come out with a piece of paper that said stop war, like a little tiny piece of paper, they faced uh, huge fines, which for Russia is huge, up to $15,000, or they can go, and I believe some of our ago, I haven't been following too closely the last few days, uh, 15 years of imprisonment for saying no war, or even closely anything to that. So you cannot say a word war. Mm -hmm. As a uh, mass media, there's so there's absolutely no independent mass media that is left. Uh, some of them, the last ones, were closed as of first few days of war because they couldn't say war and they couldn't show what's both sides. They only had to say what the propaganda tells them to say, and they, as true journalists, they couldn't do it. So they actually had to close, and most of them also flee the country. Um, and it is absolutely heartbreaking of lack of freedoms, right? And lack of um, ways to express yourself. Again, in Belarus, people have been hostages for really, I left when that was still the case, right? Like that's why I left and still being in college and even in high school, I still realize that. But for the last year and a half, 
you can go outside in the shirt that I have right now because it has white and red, which represents uh, opposition flag, which is not really opposition flag. It's our true flag before the USSR. And um, however, Lukashenko believes it's a pres uh, opposition flag that for he's all white of red and white. And there's a lot of things. There are people who went to jail because they had red socks, right? So I'm just telling you how ridiculous things are Therefore, sometimes when we say, why don't you do anything? There are reasons why people just physically cannot. And especially if you're a parent, you know, you could be bitten to death. You can go to jail. You have to come back and take care of your kids, right? There are some very brave people who I, I cannot even imagine what they went through and how they're doing it, who are coming out the streets and um, in um the first weekend of the war, thousands of Belarusians still went on the square and they still protested and over a thousand got arrested. And uh, amongst them, a father of one of my friends and uh, there's still very little information on them. So there's a lot of that going on where people just have very little ways. Um, and yeah, so the nuance is that no one wants the war, right? And in Russia, Yes, they show the pictures that there's a lot of people who pro-war, but honestly, I truly believe this is mostly pictures. Yes, there are people who probably believe that, or I don't think they believe it. I think they just in denial uh, with themselves because they could never have imagined that. So they're in true denial. And this is their protection mechanism of saying, well, this is not real. Like there's explanation, but uh, at the same time, no one wanted the war, no one needed the land. Um, Ukrainians are independent. Uh, they have the country. They have the right to protect the country. Um, the war should stop, must stop immediately. Thousands of people are dying on both ends. And this war is has no true goals except for one person's ambitions. And it absolutely must stop immediately. And um, we need to all put all of our resources and especially Russia to start rebuilding Ukraine and helping them as much as we can. Yeah. I will say as a follow-up to something, and then I'll hand it over to Tim because we're running up on time to, to, to lead us home, possibly in a more cheerful way. But uh, <laughs> I, I will also say for, for folks listening, the power of symbol and the power of color and the power of nuance particularly in Eastern Europe, has been a theme since prior to the fall of the Soviet Union and the Eastern Bloc. And it's something that you don't quite get until you really study it. Um, and it goes back to not just the sort of Sami's dot literature, it goes back to some of the writing of some of the greats in Eastern Europe. And the idea is, is that we are so constricted in what we can say. We have to say it through a different means where it is understood that the metaphor that we are trying to draw from is representative of our current situation. And that's a flip you only get if you really study the literature of Eastern Europe and some of the great writers that existed in the Eastern Bloc and the Soviet Union during those eras. So when you see things online coming out of these countries that are even just blue and yellow right now, 
What I will say is that is not an unintentional. You can say it. You can be like, oh, no, this has no bearing on anything. I just happen to have a blue mug and a yellow mug. What's the big deal here, right? Like, I don't mean anything by that, but it actually is. It is super intentional up to even, and I, I, you know, this is where I wanted to get your read on this because I was looking at this because Baikonur is in Kazakhstan up to even the uniforms that the cosmonauts wore. Like those are blue and yellow, man. Those are blue and yellow. And they were like, no, no, this is just our uniforms. But was it really? And I would say no. And that's what we have to look for is the power of those symbols coming out because even doing that right now puts that person at risk. You know, just as you said, even wearing red and white right now puts that person at risk in Belarus. Yeah, the same if you wear, uh, I believe that somebody had a Ukrainian flag, red, blue, and yellow in Belarus. And I believe I also heard of some cases in Russia, I'm not gonna lie, uh, that it definitely has happened. And that has been taken as a uh, fake news or discrimination or um, diminishing the uh, army, the Russian army. So, yeah. Yeah. There was a lady who was arrested in Moscow because she was reading Harry Potter books and she brought a blue book and a red book to the park, or sorry, a blue book and a yellow book to the park and was just sitting there holding them in the park on a bench. They arrested her. She knew what she was doing. They all knew it too. And that's the kind of world that protest has to take place in right now. Well, I do want to, sorry, Tim, I know you want to jump in just very quickly how coincidental it is that we're speaking today. Uh, well, um, it, today, the March 25th is celebrated as the Dinvoli, which is a freedom day in Belarus. Belarus. Yep. And that goes all the way to 1918, when Belarus was declared independent with the white, red, white flag back from the World War First, And, um, you know, Lukashenko does not accept this. And there's a long story to that. You're welcome to go to Wikipedia or some other materials and read on about that. But Belarusians all over the world today are celebrating. And I know there's a big uh, crew in Philadelphia that are meeting today. I couldn't go because I really wanted to be here with you. Uh, but there's a lot of people who are celebrating that day and it is very special. So I thank you both for having me and for speaking on those matters and bringing, bringing in the light. I, I really, really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, the, you were talking about uh, Symbol and it, it made me think about one of my favorite movies growing up, um, which is embarrassing to admit, but it was Casablanca, which I still really love that movie. And I was just thinking how until I was older, I didn't understand the scene where the hero of the story, um, you know, goes in and in a bar starts to out sing um, the national anthem, the French national anthem in this bar. And um, until I was older, I just didn't understand what was happening in that scene. And um, I'm connecting that because, Alicia, you had talked about a song that's really important to you. And I wondered if you would be willing to close with that. Yes, thank you so much, Tim. I, I really would. Uh, so there is this affrontment of the top Ukrainian group that really any Russian speaking uh, person would know. Like I know in Belarus, everyone listened to him. Uh, the band is called Boombox. And Andriy uh, 
Klitschnuk. He was supposed to be on his U.S. tour, actually given his U.S. tour, but he has dropped his tour so he can defend his country. And there is a video on Instagram, on his Instagram, where he just started singing a Ukrainian folk song. And one of the South African um, artists, the Kifness, has picked that up and with the permission of the Andre, he has put some beat on it. And I just feel like it's such a touching song. My kids sing in it all the time. So we listen to it all the time. And I really hope you enjoyed that as well. And um, we will also leave the links for you for both the nonprofits that I lead, but also for the uh, all of the donations for this song um, go to directly to the Ukraine. And Alicia, thank you so much um, for your time today. And um, thanks um, thanks for being willing to even put other things on hold so that you could be with us and share your story and talk with us. Um, it, it, it's probably really easy for you to miss how important it is to hear your voice talk about what's, what's happening there in a way that I think really um, helps us connect it to, to a real world. Um, and so really appreciate that. And best of luck with your business. Um, we're really excited what happens next. Thank you. Thank you so much. And thank you, the audience. If anyone ever wants to continue the conversations, uh, you can find me. My name is quite unique on LinkedIn or on the platforms. And I'm always welcome to continue any interest. You can ask me any questions about everything going on. But I thank you both for this opportunity. It has been such a pleasure uh, to be here today. Thank you. Tim Lockie. I'm Tracy Kronzak, and you've been listening to Why It Matters. Why It Matters is a thought leadership project of Now It Matters, a strategic services firm offering advising and guiding to nonprofit and social impact organizations. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe, check out our playlists, and visit us at nowitmatters.com to learn more about us.